Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, get in the game, skinny, ditch those books, and come to the arcade with us. Here to provide analysis for that line and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm feeling good. It's summertime, so hardly could be sad. Um, I would go to an arcade almost any time if someone asked me. What about you, James B.? Sure, but would you ditch your books and go to the arcade? Because apparently I, that's what bullies do is they tell you to get rid of your books and come hang out in an arcade. I, I think I would. I would ditch my books. and go to, I'd be like, okay, all right, let's go to the arcade. <laughs> sure. Would they be really upset about that? That, w- that would stop the confrontation. It just doesn't seem like it's that threatening a line for, for, for bullies. <laughs> but you did a good job of breaking it down. Let's break some other stuff down. Peter and MJ, they're hanging out. I know MJ is the reason that they're not together. She's around. There has been no thought bubbles that she really wants to get back with Peter. Peter feels like he's being thrust into relationships with her throughout all these different books. Uh, What else is going on in these stories? Uh, We have Lefty Donovan as a prominent part of this book. Lefty uh, stole a bunch of equipment from the docks, and it's who Spider-Man and the police think is the Hobgoblin. Uh, So we will read more about that very soon uh da tower makes an appearance in this book too that's the district attorney tower and if you remember he helped uh spider-man clear his name of any wrongdoing there was a brief period when spider-man and the law were fine with each other and that was because of da tower so we'll hear from him too sure well let's see if they're in this first book which is from October of 1983. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 245 Sacrifice Play by Roger Cern, John Romita Jr., and Dave Simmons. Spidey's quest to find Lefty Donovan, the person who he thinks is the Hobgoblin, takes him to District Attorney's Tower's office. Yeah, Spidey Eddie is standing on the ceiling making a scene because Spidey wants the files on Lefty Donovan, and D.A. Tower wants to know what Spidey knows about the Osborne robberies, and neither is willing to help each other. Yeah, so Spidey swings off uh, petulantly, saying, Forget it. I'll find Donovan on my own. It's interesting here how D.A. Tower talks about the Avengers and how they have special permissions in the eyes of the law to do what they do. Uh, But... It requires Spider-Man to step forward and expose his secret identity. And that's that's why he like takes off here. Yeah, it's, it's actually not why he takes off. He doesn't want to have any information about Harry's identity. Oh, yes. Revealed. That's the real problem there. He's not getting, <laughs> he doesn't want everyone to know that Harry was the... Harry or Norman, either one of them, was the goblin. Uh, it's also interesting that Spider-Man references that he knows how much the Avengers make. He says like, oh, the Avengers, I know how much money they make. And there's like a little like star, like check out Avengers 235. (laughs) So I actually took a peek at that crossover book and that book was from September of 1983. Stanley presents the Avengers 235, Havoc on the Homefront by Stern, Bodansky, and Sunnut. Um, Eddie, I'm just going to do a two-page synopsis. I'm not going to do the whole book. Let's hear it. We're not going to do like a nested book within a book, but... There is a two-page thing. I think it's seven and eight, but I didn't write it down. So She-Hulk is listening to her Beach Boys tunes with her headphones on and hits a car with her swinging arm while jogging, like her back arm kind of like catches it. And the driver and her go at it. And then Spider-Man, for whatever reason, drops in to settle the dispute. She tells Spider-Man that finding an apartment has been hard. The rent is not an issue since she makes $1,000 a week as an Avenger. That would be $152,000 a year in 2023 
uh, money. Uh, so Spider-Man laments that he had a chance to become an Avenger a year earlier, which was in Avengers 221. Eddie, he could use that money for Aunt May and those seniors. Speaking of New York home, in a Long Island mansion, two men mix chemicals to create a formula described in Norman Osborn's journal for super strength. But the experiment grows awry and explodes, severely burning one of the men. The uninjured co-conspirator drags the chemically burned victim out of the building, uh, leaving him to be found by police and taken to the hospital. And then he goes back in the house to destroy any remaining evidence, which results in the entire house blowing up. Uh, the reader is unsure if anyone was inside at the time. So we go back to Peter, who heads to the bugle in hopes of getting a lead on Lefty Donovan, but is sidetracked when Betty insists he go to dinner with her and Ned. Much to Peter's chagrin, MJ is also there. They're really trying to remanufacture a Peter-MJ relationship in these books. Yeah, and this one here, too. Peter is thinking about Felicia while thinking about MJ. It seems that Roger Stern wants to create some kind of love triangle. Well, time moves very quickly for once uh, in this book. Three weeks pass with Peter honing his photography skills while the mysterious bandaged chemist heals in the hospital. When the chemist finally awakes, he escapes and returns to the remains of the Long Island mansion where he slips into a bunker and darns hobgoblin paraphernalia. Spidey has been continuing his hunt for Hobgoblin at the local police precinct, but the search is over when Hobgoblin begins to destroy Times Square publicly, calling out Spider-Man. Yeah, there's an excellent scene where Sergeant Lou Snyder is like, Yes, I'm a friend of Captain DeWolf, but I can't let you see this file. This file right here, or I could get fired. Excuse me while I step out for a moment. Well, while Spidey is impressed by the Hobgoblin's newfound strength and skill, he pitches a pumpkin bomb back at him to subdue him. Yeah, and Spidey takes Hobgoblin's mask off. And it's Lefty Donovan. Lefty says, Boss said the formula would make me strong. So Spider-Man knows a little more information there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's trying to get information about this boss and the super strength formula, uh, but the Hobgoblin's glider locks Lefty's feet into it, and it veers violently into a wall, killing Lefty. Yeah, with Lefty dead in the costume, the real Hobgoblin, you know, it shows him vows to lay low. It, spoiler, Eddie, it's like three issues. There'll be no Hobgoblin, I'm sorry. Because uh, he's pretending he's dead, but at the end panel, it says something like, I worry that Spider-Man might know the truth. And that's how it ends. I, I'm so glad the Hobgoblin was here, and I'm super sad we're not going to see him for a while. Uh, I, I'm also interested to learn more about this super strength that he's got, too. So, well, we did, we did get some information from our friends who wrote the, remember the emails recently? We read them all. Yes, that's true. You know, so, but if you want to get to the Hobgoblin, you got to get through the next three books. And the first of those would be from November of 1983, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 246, The Daydreamers by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr. and Dan Green. The Watcher begins our next book, and this, of course, means we will dive into the realm of fantasy. I feel like we have a whole book series called What Ifs for this kind of thing. I'm not totally sure why the Amazing Spider-Man book has to go here, but that's where we're headed. 
to show my disapproval, I'm going to engage in a silent protest until you're done talking about this book. All right, James B. Uh, Felicia is thrilled to see her blue-webbed lover bringing her cat costume to her in the hospital. With an oddly stoic quality, uh, Spider-Man swings her to help him burgle some papers from a sinister-looking embassy. The pair yo-yo around the city and eventually to the docks, where they meet a government agent who praises and pays them handsomely. After boarding Spider-Man's yacht, he takes off his mask to reveal he is a Cary Grant. This is Felicia's daydream, I guess. All right. I, uh, next, we see J. Jonah strutting through his newspaper facility in a purple a jumpsuit. When uh, Spidey startles him, he clocks him. The fight is brief with J. Jonah the victor. We end with Marla embracing him while he holds his paper with a headline praising his defeat of Spider-Man. The vision fades as the headline reads, the opposite. Uh, I, I would think J. Jonah would have a little more caviar in his daydreams, but uh, we're going to move on to MJ, who is out on a date uh, on the theater marquee above. Uh, she sees the Mary Jane Watson story. Uh, just as she also spots her adoring fans. With no time for autographs, she strolls into the theater and begins to read lines with Woody Allen before she snaps back into reality. Uh, MJ daydreams about Spider-Man in her little daydream, which, once again, we're talking about that relationship. Uh, in our final portion of this book, J. Jonah is out for a jog when every major villain Spider-Man has faced attacks J. Jonah. Spidey shows up and he hurls his ultra-fancy telescoping camera with a tripod to the side to take pictures, and he clobbers every bad guy. J. Jonah kisses Spider-Man's foot and publishes an apology on the front page. Peter is presented with a Pulitzer Prize in photography as Dr. Sloan runs into the awards ceremony to declare Peter's last experiment was a cure for everything. The Fantastic Four and Avengers then argue over which group wants him to join more. When he awakes from his daydream, he saves a bookish youth from a pummeling while also offering some advice. Yeah, that last story references what's going on with Spider-Man and his appearances with the Avengers. So because I didn't contribute at all to this last book because it's terrible maybe the worst book ever, I decided to fill the time and go poke around the Avengers because Spider-Man does do a crossover there. It's a little bonus for you here. It's from October of 1983. Stanley presents The Avengers 236, I Want to Be an Avenger by Stern, Milgram, and Sonat. Spider-Man breaks into Avengers headquarters and he wants to be an Avenger. Actually, he really wants the $1,000 per week to ease his financial bills. He's asked why he's here and he lets them know that in Avengers 221, he was asked to join. Uh, listeners, She-Hulk and Hawkeye ended up taking the roles as the fifth and sixth members back then, and Spider-Man was just late in responding. He's insulted at being offered a trainee position, like Star Fox, <laughs> and he departs. But then he hitches a ride on the underside of the Quinjet, which is like the airplane that the Avengers use. He gets inside a secure Project Pegasus base. 
and he has no plans to be there. And eventually Captain America finds him and says, okay, Spider-Man, you can continue on with She-Hulk and Star Fox and we'll do our thing. Does this sound more exciting than the last book, Eddie? Uh, not particularly. All right, well, we wrap, we wrap it up. So these heroes are there and they find these lava men are running around amok, which is okay. what they're doing. They call for backup in the form of the Wasp, the Scarlet Witch, and Captain Marvel. So basically, they're all there, plus both trainees, and Spider-Man's trying out, and I think Hawkeye's just missing. Uh, Captain Marvel arrives, and the lava men say, oh, Captain Marvel, we love you. Stop drilling holes in our world. And they're like, okay. And then uh, while this is going on, the Project Pegasus scientists who are goofing around with like, oh, we're going to experiment on things, or whatever, they accidentally free a villain named Blackout, who frees uh, previous Spider-Man villains Moonstone, Rhino, and then Electro. So now you get some villains running around. So that's a little better than the Daydream book, right? Oh, and second half of that book is far more exciting. Yeah. Lots so of, Lots of different fighting happening. So exciting that I decided to keep going and read one more. And that was wow. from November of 1983. Stanley presents The Avengers 237 Meltdowns and Mayhem. Once again by Stern, Milgram, and Sonat. Spider-Man is accepted as an Avenger in training. Since he sucks at working as a teammate, um, it's kind of what they say in the book. He reminds us again he needs the $1,000 a week. The Wasp yells at him. Most everyone else does for one reason or another. He tries to accept it and behave. They yell at him for, you know, fooling around, goofing around, telling jokes, whatever. But elsewhere in the compound, the energy-based villains stop squabbling amongst themselves to use their powers to battle the Avengers, but they are so, so easily defeated. Uh, It's like... Seven on four, and, you know, any one of them could have probably handled two or three of them. (laughs) Back at the Avengers Mansion, the Avengers uh, request permission from the government to officially add Spider-Man as a trainee. And he is rejected because he has a file a mile long of basically being a menace and all the problems he's ever caused. (laughs) Spider-Man really doesn't mind at the end that much, and he just swings away. You'd think they'd do a background check before they let him anywhere near what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, I just mean he does a whole cameo. He's very prominent in the books. Yes. Three books in a row he appeared in The Avengers, which is more I can say about what he's doing in his own titles. <laughs> yeah, he, he makes zero appearances in uh, Spider-Man uh, 246. So Right. <laughs> remember the Marvel team-up where he's with Mr. Fantastic, but he's really not him in the whole book? Well, yes, a couple, that's true. Like about a month ago or whatever it was. So. I remember that because he like suction cups to the ceiling. And I'm like, what? <laughs> There's all these, remember that was all these clues in that book. That's that right. supposed to figure out. Oh, my goodness. Eddie, I'm going to throw a quick sponsor in here. Eddie, people say that America is the land of opportunity, a place to challenge yourself, a place where you don't use the word never. Eddie, the Avengers give people an open field to explore what they do best. Since Captain America fought the Nazis, the Avengers have existed. Join the Avengers today and receive up to $1,000 per week towards college tuition. The Avengers, come find out what they're all about. This commercial paid for by the U.S. government and the Avengers Initiative Fund. Wait, it's that easy to join the Avengers? Yeah. All you gotta do is write in. Doesn't matter what you do. In the end, the government makes a decision. So... (laughs) Puts the Avengers in a bad light for character judgment. <laughs> so, Eddie, there was something in 245, a web creation that you wanted to discuss. 
you know, I have not discussed a web creation in a very long time. I hearken back way to the olden days when I so very much loved Spider-Man's uh, paddleboards through the swamp. But there was a new web creation, which we haven't seen. It's the Hobgoblin throws a dumpster at him and he decides to like web up his chest. He looks kind of like Craven with his, you know, furry lion chest. And this is supposed to help pad the impact of the dumpster like flying into him because he knows he's got to take he's got to take it like straight on I, I didn't i never thought of webbing being used as like armor but i guess i guess that could be a thing now it's been used like as a shield it's on page 19 if you're following along he's got a lot of webbing on him like you said he catches the pointy end of this dumpster against the webbing and that way he doesn't just take it straight in the chest so yeah well the fact that we had to go read some Avengers books tells you that there was really nothing going on in 246 and that the highlight of 245 is Spider-Man makes some padding. Uh, <laughs> you know what? We had, we had Hobgoblin progression, though. I was very excited to see the Hobgoblin. Did we? Well, I mean, we learned that he's clever enough that he can make basically someone else be the Hobgoblin to fool people. So I, I think that's character development. Yeah, I think we should wrap this up. I think you're just trying to stretch <laughs> this right, out. <laughs> Let's let the listeners get on to the next podcast. Look, it's probably Marvel Team-Up, but honestly, it's not going to be any worse than this. How can people reach us if they want to complain that we did two Avengers books because I didn't want to say anything about that terrible 246? You can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And I'm James B. joined by... Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you're having trouble moving plots forward in your writing, try daydreaming. Goodbye. Goodbye. So, Eddie, you saw in the show notes that I put the Avengers books in here. Uh, yes, I saw that. And then it said in the comment, I read these two. I include the links if you want to read them. But if not, that is fine. Did you read them? I entirely forgot to read them. But I really liked listening to your summaries because it's kind of like what listeners listen to our show are. And I thought you did really well with the summaries, James B.